Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of 40 Guard Live. It's good to be here in the, in the new year. And once again, I have my good friend Omar Lakani with me. Hey, Omar, how have you been? Man, I'm good. I, I think I got one of those January uh, little uh, stomach bugs going on. So I've been finding a little bit of that for the last couple of days. But otherwise, always ready to rock and roll. And I was looking forward for this one. You know, it's a special topic to me what we will talk today about because almost five years ago, there was a certain position open in our company and I applied and the first person I talked to was you and it was about um, interviewing for this specific position and I remember I did all my social engineering skills looking towards what I was able to find from you on the internet and you were talking about this topic which will elaborate furthermore and that's been four or five years where I saw you talk about AI, about the future of attacks and now you're sitting here. Oh, you got me a little worried now because I've definitely... I've definitely slept since five years ago, so uh, hopefully I remember what I, what I talked about. But I'm sure my views have probably changed pretty pretty uh, drastically because that's kind of what happens with uh, uh, cybersecurity is you learn new things and you learn new ways to approach things and your views kind of change a lot of times. So. Definitely. And five years in technology is a lot of time. And over the last couple of months, there was this one big topic on the internet open from OpenAI, ChatGBT, a tool which uh, was growing dramatically over the last six weeks. I think they reached roughly 29, 29 billion users using it on a daily basis. Can you give us a little um, rundown of what is ChatGBT and why does it matter for cybersecurity? Yeah, I, I'm actually like a big fan of ChatGPT. Like I've I've actually used like chatbots for a long, long time, ever since I was like a little kid. And uh, I remember using things like uh, Alfred and things like that just uh, as kind of like fun games. But ChatGPT to me is like kind of the closest thing we have from Star Trek, the Star Trek computer. We can ask it something in a conversational text or conversational language and actually give like a real time answer back. And so that's what it is. You could actually like ask it like real time questions. You could say like, hey, like tell me. A, a little bit about like uh, you know Julius Caesar and have it give you like real information as you would like like uh, like in a in a book or something like that. It's not just like a Google search. Um, one of the cool things about ChatGPT is that it'll actually, from a cybersecurity standpoint, is uh, evaluate code for you, write code for you. Uh, I've actually seen people like actually complete like their Java homework uh, like using ChatGPT. Uh, you can have it write uh, different things like Python code. Now, it does have a lot of uh, safeguards to make sure people don't abuse that, that people are not writing malicious code. But, you know, with anything in the world, uh, anything that's uh, used as a tool can be turned around and be used for malicious intents. And uh, that's what we're starting to see with ChatGPT. Just because the language is so natural, uh, the first things we started to see is a lot of phishing attacks. So you don't have these phishing attacks with a lot of misspellings. They actually sound very natural. They sound very... Um, you know, reliable, I would say. Uh, so that's kind of the scary thing. And then I'm sure we'll talk about some of the evolution we've seen since then. Yeah, definitely. And I just realized I need to correct myself. Is in the first five days, there were like 1 million users, which was super fast. That six weeks later, it's already valued around 29 billion. So, and, and as you mentioned, a lot of people are using it. Initially, they were using it for different kind of purposes, not just cybersecurity related, because you can just, just ask it anything. You can ask it to write an email, or do some math equations or pretty much whatever you want. But we have seen people using it in cybersecurity for different kinds of purposes. A lot of use cases I came across was people using it for defensive purposes. For example, they use it to create Yara rules or 
use it for debugging purposes, create macros, everyone's favorites when it comes to malicious documents, or develop certain plugins for reverse engineering tools. And as we know, in cybersecurity, a lot of things are a little bit double-edged because we use similar tools and techniques for the offensive and the defensive side. And it definitely didn't took very long until we saw threat actors using these assisting tools for their purposes, which made their life much easier. Because if we think about it this way, if, if we have this super powerful tool, which can help create coding, certain kind of code, it enters the, it lowers the entry barrier quite dramatically because you used to be able to have a certain skill set when it comes to developing malware, for example. But now all you have to do is use this tool and it will help you create malware. It will increase the efficiency. It will increase the speed which you can translate certain kind of things. For example, you can use it to analyze a lot of research from security researchers out there and ask it to develop malware based on that research while translating it into a different language, for example. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, let me be clear. I don't think ChatGPT or um, any type of, um, you know, AI is really good at writing malware right now. But I do think that, you know, when we look back, uh, especially at the end of this year, uh, even from a couple of years from now, we're going to like use this event as or uh, this tool as one of the events that kind of changed the landscape of cybersecurity. Really believe that. I know that's a very dramatic statement. I know it's a very uh, bold statement as well. But I, but I, but I do think uh, we're going to start seeing more and more incorporations because ChatGPT is not going to be the only only one that takes advantage of this. Once the cat's out of the bag, it's it's pretty much out of the bag, uh, right? And uh, and you can use this technology to start developing new tools and you know for good purposes or possibly malicious purposes. And I think we're going to start seeing more and more of that. We've already seen, like for example. I was, uh, you know, playing around with it, and I asked uh, ChatGPT to create a a uh, reverse listener shell that could be used for malicious purposes. As we know, anyone that's taken the cybersecurity course has probably written a reverse shell, uh, uh, you know, and it did something really basic. It just basically wrote a netcap listener for me. Anyone that's taken any basic uh, cybersecurity course has probably done a netcap listener. Very easy to do. Not a big deal at all, right? Then I started getting a little more fancy with it. I said, make sure you write this in Python. The first thing it did was actually just write netcat and piped it like in Python. So it wasn't like anything, anything, uh, you know, fancy or anything. And then I started saying, okay, we'll add encryption to this, run it on a different port. And then it started like actually developing some, some very, I would say much more complex code. The code wasn't complete. I couldn't actually take the code and run it. It still has some errors in it. I would say it's like 80% complete, but anyone like that has some experience, I would say with uh, looking at that code can modify that. And you could easily see now you could take that code, modify that, and use it possibly for malicious purposes if that was your intent. Um, like I said, there's a lot of other uh, you know possible purposes instead of using it for malicious purposes, but like someone could possibly do that. And now when you think about like adding inc encryption, like doing evasion techniques, um, that gives all the people like another skill. It get, almost gives like a an attacker a little intern that they have like uh, working on different types of projects for them. Yeah, it definitely helps them out when it comes to speed, because as you mentioned, it's like this intern on the side where you give him certain tasks, which we will fulfill, and it adds up um, to, to the full attack uh, from the kill chain perspective. Because if we think about it, usually the techniques which we just mentioned, helping using these tools to help us to create malware, for example, is just something which needs to be delivered at some point. But we can even go a step back and think about it 
how do we leverage it for initial access purposes? And these days, phishing attacks are still one of the most prevalent attacks. And these tools add an additional issue with how sophisticated they are when providing phishing emails, for example, because you can ask it, please write a phishing email in a certain kind of um, style, which might be more more uh, natural towards the, the potential victim because he's more used to that specific demographic or specific way how, how people talk to each other. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen like uh, people uh, give out chat uh, GPT examples on writing a song in a specific style of a of a musician, right? Um, which is a little scary. There's probably some like, uh, you know, definitely some, uh, you know, copyright laws that probably need to be updated. Uh, you, you know, we can, uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, just going away from chat GPT, there's AI art creators, right? So you can say, you can give uh, AI engines like a sample of art, uh, you know, styles that you like and have it create something completely new uh, that's uh, that, that's basically not owned by anyone. And uh, and of course, like I said, there's a lot of controversy on what that means on on the sources that's being used. What does that mean for, you know, people's rights and, uh, you know, owners' rights and artists' rights? That's a whole nother discussion. That's going to be like a, like a crazy discussion in the next couple of years, I'm sure. But at the same time, uh, you can see that it can kind of create new things based on that. And um, you know, recently we saw like a uh, uh, like actual malware, like a, like an ex like like an exploit. No, well, not really an exploit, right? We saw like uh, someone actually write a information stealer with ChatGPT. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So going from the theory a little bit more to what's actually happening is exactly what you just mentioned. On some of these underground forums, some of them are. Also, not that underground, you can pretty much log in if you have an account. Um, and there were multiple proof of concept trending across these forums um, in the in the very beginning of this year. And the first one, which you just mentioned, was definitely an information stealer written in Python. And information stealers have been trending upwards quite a bit over the last couple of months because so many people are using sensitive files on their personal computer with the rise of cryptocurrencies, a lot of people have wallets on their computers. So it's very popular for attackers using information stealers to steal whatever is on specific computers. And we have seen in these forums that a guy used these tools to create a very basic malware, which once it's installed in your computer, it searches common file types like PDFs, like Word files, like pictures regarding a certain string, or it looks for browser plugins, and then it Sips all the information and exfiltrates it to um, FTP server. And he's capable of stealing all this information. So that's one POC which we came across. And I remember the second one, which we looked a little bit closer at, was it was a guy who mentioned, who showed to anyone, hey, this is my new tool, which I uh, created. And then another guy looked at the code and it seemed uh, very familiar to what he has seen from others using ChatGPT. And he, he pointed that out. And then that the author of this code mentioned, yeah, um, I actually used ChatGPT. It's my first program, which I ever wrote. I'm not a good developer, but the tool really helped me to put everything together in a short amount of time. And when I looked at, looked at the user's activity on this forum, I saw him in other threads posting information about he has access um, to certain kind of companies and is selling it. So he's pretty much an initial access broker. And seeing these people using this tool for their malicious purposes is definitely something which is is quite concerning yeah i completely agree with you i i think it's interesting that uh, you know the guy like you know you know said he's he's not a developer so he doesn't develop actual tools 
Um, that doesn't mean that he's not a coder, that he doesn't have any coding experience or doesn't understand coding. Because like I said, I think you still still need to everything that I've seen from, uh, you know, these AI based tools. Uh, you still need to have some sort of expertise to complete that. Um, now, the the barrier and, and the knowledge gap is becoming less and less, right? You don't need as much as you did in the past. And as you said, this tool was really interesting, one that this guy claimed uh, or this person, I would say, claimed to uh, create completely with ChatGPT was essentially a system that basically, uh, you know, scanned, you know, scanned your folder, scanned your like documents folders for, uh, you know, certain types of files, PDFs, uh, Word documents, uh, other types of files. It actually transferred that into a temporary, you'll copy that into a temporary folder, zip that, and then uploaded that, uh, you know, basically using uh, just a uh, transport socket uh, to uh, an FTP site, uh, like out on the web. So um, really basic information sealer probably would get caught, I think, by uh, like a lot of security tools, endpoint security tools out there because there's no encryption going on. Even if there was encryption, just the way that the, the examples that I saw, I think would have still been caught by like most, uh, most uh, human basic security tools. But at the same time, it does show you that, hey, it's a real possibility. And it probably, it probably is not much more work if you have the, if you have the base code there to start adding the evasion techniques. Yeah, I, I completely agree. The, this brings me to the question, Amar, with all these capabilities out there for everyone being capable of using these tools, what does it mean for us on the defensive side? What would you recommend the people out there? Uh, should they use it for defense purposes or should they learn about it so they are aware what is out there and being aware about what kind of attacks might potentially come in the future? Because at some point we can only speculate so far what will happen in the future. But it seems like it's not going away anytime soon, or maybe this is just the very beginning. And we are at this famous point where the hockey stick in the exponential growth curve will just go to the moon and we really need to be prepared about what's coming next. Yeah. So, I, yeah, so let me, let me first of all point out that uh, anything that we've seen um, with these AI tools, it hasn't been a zero day. So that's really important. There's, there's, no, there's no new vulnerability. There's no new exploit that's been taken advantage of. And this probably isn't anything that wouldn't be caught by traditional, uh, you know, security tools. So that's that's really important to remember. But also remember that most attacks that occur for most people aren't zero days anyways, right? So they're, so they're uh, just uh, modified code. Um, so I think uh, there's, uh, I, you know, so I don't want to like basically, uh, you know, shout doom and gloom. But I do think, as you said, it is going to be a watershed event uh, for cybersecurity because I think, um, you know, looking back, you know, even from a couple of years from now, we're going to think like, hey, this is, the time where, you know, we kind of entered this new phase of attacks and hopefully defense as well. So, uh, you know, for cybersecurity professionals, I do recommend everyone understanding like the capabilities of uh, ChatGPT and other AI tools, what they can do, what their limitations are. I know at Fort Garden Labs, uh, like we absolutely have been looking at these type of technologies for years at a time on how they can like basically create malicious code as well as how we can use them to our advantage of like uh, with automation on blocking malicious types of code as well. So uh, hopefully a lot of the security researchers have already started that. If not, it's time to get up to speed really fast on that. It's time to like start putting that into, from a research standpoint, is to uh, start putting that into your uh, capabilities, at least uh, if you're thinking about how to put that into your future capabilities. But as an every, everyday person, I mean, as an everyday security professional, I would think we have to be even like much more diligent in our security awareness training, you know, from phishing attacks and how emails are written on how we're clicking on links on making sure our systems are updated uh, and making sure that we're not logging in as admin users on our systems uh, where uh, these, uh, 
you know, mal this malware could have like more access or more privileges than it needs to. So um, all those things that we've been kind of preaching for years that we've kind of always ignored because there's always been like a good defensive like endpoint system or, you know, software to kind of kind of mitigate some of that risk. I think we're going to ha have to like st start being a lot more diligent on on our, our awareness and how we use our systems as well. Yeah, very well said. And I really want to emphasize on the one part where the malware which has been created has been malware which has been causing a lot of problems for the last months or uh, we can even say decades at this point. So this is not something where it will be able to bypass security layers um, if, if they are in place. It's usually a tool which helps them to use traditional kind of malware which we have seen for a very long time. And it's really important that we take good care about cyber hygiene, cyber hygiene that we have proper protection in place, proper detection in place in case something happens. So it's not going to change everything on the defensive side. Actually, it just enforces again the the similar the same topics as we have been talking for quite a while now when it comes to these attacks because now they're just being assisted by these tools which makes them easier to to develop and and spread because it's more efficient and faster, but it doesn't mean these attacks will be unstoppable. So, Amar, I'm Quite looking forward, maybe we can do another episode regarding this topic in a year or so, because as we know in technology, everything develops very, very quickly. But now being at the earlier stage of these kind of new technologies, which we haven't really seen in the past, it's definitely interesting to monitor what's going to happen. And I know you and me and many others at 40 Guard Labs will look at them very closely. But um, for the meantime, thanks so much for joining and providing your valuable insight to this path.